I bring the word this morning, I want us to pray for the uh, victim's family in the uh, terrorism attack uh, that happened a few days ago in Paris. And, and I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Uh, first off, folks, the world is broken. And it's broken because of sin, okay? And the world is not going to be broken forever. It's going to be restored. And when it's restored, Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign. Listen, evil has always tried to control the world. And when people kill people and blow up people uh, for a religious reason or a political reason, it's evil. And uh, all of that is born out of the spirit of Antichrist. I just read recently uh, where these groups of people, uh, this ISIS people, that they want to destroy the people of the book. And what does that mean? Well, they're referring to the Bible, and they mean Jews and Christians. And so uh, our responsibility, number one, is to pray. And then our responsibility as Americans and as a nation and as, as good people is to fight tyranny and fight evil. And that's exactly what we do on a daily basis with our military. So I wanted you and I to pray this morning for the families. Now, it's too late to pray for the people who died. Okay, so you have to make a decision on your eternity before you, your heart beats its last beat. Once you go into eternity, that decision's been made. And it's not made by God, it's made by you. Okay, so it's too late to pray for them, but we're going to pray for their family. So if you would join me, and I'm going to pray, and you agree with me. Father, we come to you this morning. And Father, we want to lift the families in Paris and in, and in the area, Father, who were affected by these terrorist attacks. Father, we know it's evil. We know you had nothing to do with it. It wasn't your plan. It wasn't your purpose or your will, but it's the plan of darkness and evil. Father, we pray your peace and your grace on the families of the victims. Father, we pray that you would take something that was heinous and evil and dark and that out of it would come life and light and grace. Father, I know there are churches in Paris. I know that Hillsong has a campus there. And God, I pray that you raise up the Christians in that city. You raise up the churches in that city and that there would be prayer, that there would be revival, that people's hearts and lives would be turned toward the light. Father, we thank you. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. And then, Father, your grace is on those families today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. I so appreciate you praying with me. I started a couple of weeks ago talking about confession, and I want to continue that with you this morning. Uh, we found out that words have power. Okay, your words have power. They have power over me. Your words have power over you, and they have power over others. Okay, when you use words, those words affect your family. If you're married, they affect your spouse. If you have children or grandchildren, they affect them. If you have brothers and sisters, the thing I really want to stir in your heart this morning is it, it matters what you say. Words have power. Okay, words either bring heartache or words can create destiny. We found out in Proverbs 18, 21 that life and death is in the power of the tongue. I'd like to ask you a question this morning. What primarily comes out of your mouth? What primarily is your tongue used for? When you think about your family, are you speaking life over your family, life over your children, life over yourself, or are you speaking death? Proverbs 6, 2 says that we're snared by the words of our mouth. Now, a snare is a trap that you set for an animal, and it's a trap set to where an animal is caught by it, probably to be eaten, and it doesn't know the trap is there because if it knew it was there, it wouldn't get in it. Okay, the Scripture says that you are snared by the words of your mouth. Here's what I know about a lot of people. You're snared, and you don't even know it. 
just like an animal is trapped, and once it's trapped, it's too late. My question to you this morning, my encouragement to you this morning is think about your words. Think about what you say. Think about the things you're sowing into your life and into your family's life. We've talked about the difference between a bad confession and a good confession, and I want to clarify something. I believe in the confession of sin, and I believe it's a righteous, godly thing to do. One of the things that we always try to emphasize in Power Kids and Ground Zero is when, when a kid does something wrong, all we want them to do is admit it, say they're sorry, and then we move right on. But we have kids, even though you catch them, even though they've been caught doing something, they're not willing to admit they did it. Listen, that's not a good place to be, and we encourage kids not to do that, and I encourage you not to do it, all right? When you, when you get caught, when, or even when you don't get caught, when something happens in your life, it's good to go to God and say, God, I repent, I'm sorry. But the kind of confession I'm talking about besides that is a bad confession, your words. And here's what a bad confession is. It's when you talk defeat, fear, failure, lack, unbelief. When you do that, you know what you're doing, don't you? Well, you're bragging on the devil. When you talk about politics, when you talk about the economy, when you talk about how bad things are, when you talk about failure, when you talk about how woe is me, right? You know what you do? When you do that, you're bragging on the devil. Here's what we're supposed to do. What's a good confession? A good confession says what God says about me. I stand on his promises and I agree with his promises. Now, I'm not saying you stick your head in the sand. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that you recognize God's at work in my life. And God's moving behind the scenes. He's moving when I see him, and he's moving when I don't see him. And I'm going to get in agreement with him. Listen to this statement. It's easy to tell what people believe by what they say. Listen, I can be around you for just a couple of minutes, and I can tell what you believe because it always comes out your mouth. I've had people ask me, oh, you know, can the devil read my mind? He doesn't have to read your mind. You tell him what you're thinking right? All you do is open your mouth and talk about it. When things aren't going good, you talk bad. When things are going good, you talk good. He always knows what you're doing. Listen to this statement. If, conf- if your confession is wrong, your believing is wrong. If your believing is wrong, then your thinking is wrong. If your thinking is wrong, it's because your mind is not renewed with the Word of God. Now, I know that's long. Let me read it to you one more time. If what you say is wrong, your confession If you confess wrong, then generally your believing is wrong. If your believing is wrong, then usually your thinking is wrong. If your thinking is wrong, it's because your mind is not renewed with the Word of God. Right believing produces right living. Now, let me say it to you one more time. Right believing produces right living. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, what I mean is, is you agree mentally with the Word of God. Now, I want to read a scripture to you out of Romans chapter 12 starting with verse 2, and this is the New King James Version. Listen to what this says. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you would, would you look at the word transformed there? It says, first off, we're not supposed to conform to the world, but we're supposed to be transformed. I looked up the word transformed in the Greek, and it's the Greek word metamorpho. Isn't that cool? which, of course, is where we get the English word metamorphosis. Now, we all know what a metamorphosis is. It's where a caterpillar wraps that cocoon around itself, and then a few days or a few weeks, it bursts forth into a beautiful butterfly. Now, here's what the word metamorphosis means along with transformed. It means abrupt change. Now, I know it's a process. Don't misunderstand me, and I'm not taking away from that. Okay, but it means abrupt change. Do you know what repentance means? It means to change your mind. 
Okay, see, I'm going along in my life in one direction, and I think I'm going in the right direction, but the Bible says the end thereof is death, okay? The Bible says man thinks in his heart what is right, but then the end result is death. Then the Baptist pastor comes to my home, and he shares the gospel in our living room with my parents, and he says, do you want Jesus? And I say, yes, sir, I do. And at that moment, I did a 180. I changed my mind, and what I thought was right, I put away, and what I found out in God's Word was right, I received, and I turned, and I went the other way. That's what repentance means. It means to change your mind. The word transform means to abrupt abruptly change. Now, here's what I want you to see next, the word renew, and it says right here, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind. The word renew means to renovate. Now, in our house, we have a tri-level house. It's three levels, and we have two bathrooms upstairs, and in the lower level, we have a little half bath or whatever you call it. It's just a place to use a restroom and to wash your hands. Well, my wife has been uh, remodeling that bathroom, so they've been changing the paint and new paneling, and consequently, there's no toilet in there, and there's no sink in there anymore. Well, as she started to remodel that, she said, well, you know, we don't use that bathroom very much anyway, so it'll be okay. Well, I found out how much I use that bathroom because I've been climbing them stairs a lot. Right? I didn't realize how much I used that little small bathroom on the lower level of our house because every time I, I need to go to the restroom, I'm having to go upstairs because that bathroom's being renovated. All right, we tore out the old. We're going to get a brand new shiny toilet. We're getting a brand, isn't that nice? Yes, amen. We're getting a brand new shiny sink. Uh, we're getting a new mirror. Well, we've got new paneling. We're getting new paint. Uh, I mean, it, it looks really nice. It's in the process of being renovated. Can I say some of you need to throw that old toilet in your head out and you need to get a new one, amen? You need to renovate your mind. How do you do that, Pastor? Well, you do it with the Scripture. Now, I want to show you something very powerful. I want to read Isaiah 55, 8 to you. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden and they fell into sin, the curse of sin came on the world. And their eyes were opened and they knew the difference between good and evil. And at that point, all of humanity was fallen, and it affects your thinking. Now, I want you to really understand this. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you, except you've been tainted by sin. And you've been tainted by it for so long, lots of times you don't even realize it, and it affects your thinking. Listen, you weren't smart enough to receive Jesus as your Savior, you receive Jesus as your Savior by His goodness and by His grace and by His drawing. See, you received Christ in spite of yourself. Does that make sense to you? So what happens is when I receive Christ, then I begin this journey of changing my mind, of renewing my mind, of renovating my mind. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, the Bible is the Word of God, and it's the truth of God, and I either choose the truth of the world or I choose the truth of God. Let me read it to you in Scripture. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. God thinks differently than I do. You know how I know? All I have to do is read his book. And when I read his book, I begin to get in line with the way he thinks. I want to read you another scripture. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen. It says, stop deceiving yourself. 
If you think you're wise by the world standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise, which means you know you need help. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the Scripture says, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. Here's what I'm saying to you this morning. When you receive Christ as your Savior and you became a Christian, then you begin that process of putting God's Word and God's promises into your mind, and you begin to renew your mind, and you begin to change. And I know it's a journey. I know it's a process. I know it takes time. I'm on the same journey you are. You know, we laughingly used to say that people would say, oh, you Christians are brainwashed. Well, my brain needed washing. Amen? And it still needs washing. Okay? I find there's junk in there. I had a Bible teacher one time talking about thoughts and the way you think. You know, he said you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. All right? I have to renew my mind to the promises and to the Word of God. And then when I find those promises, I say them with my mouth, and I connect my faith with what's going on in my mind and my heart. Now, I'm going to go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Now, I want to show you something really powerful and incredible in a very familiar verse. I want to show you a key that will unlock the kingdom in your life. It will unlock the promises of God in your life. Now, here's what we think. You see, we think God has plenty of things he can do for us, but either he won't or he's not in the mood. Uh, he, he's there, but he's not available. That's not the heart of God. The song we sang this morning is, You Have a Good Father. Well, I want to show you a very powerful truth that you can take to help you unlock the promises of God in your life. All right, this morning, I got over here at 7 o'clock, and I opened this door right here, and I unlocked it with a key, and I came in, and I turned on the lights, I checked the heat, I plugged in the coffee, I got everything ready for the sheep, Lou got here, and she got the donuts ready, so there's plenty of coffee, and there's plenty of donuts, and we want the heat just right, right, because it can't be too hot, it can't be too cold, the music can't be too loud or too low, it can't be too long or too short, my preaching can't be too good or too bad, Right? So I'm, I, I took my key and I put it in the door and I let myself in this building. Listen, God's promises are available to you and I'm going to give you the key on how to make them real in your life. Look what it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 out of the New King James. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, that verse says two things, and to some of you, that's a familiar verse. Maybe to some of you, you've never heard it before, but it shows two things. With the heart, you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What happens in this verse? I believe with my heart, and I don't mean the blood pump. I mean the real me. Listen, the seed of who I am is not in my head. The seed of who I am is in my heart. I believe with my heart. And then I confess with my mouth. Listen, when I die, I'm going to heaven. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm going to heaven because I'm a Christian. And I'm a Christian, not because I'm a preacher, not because I go to church, but because I did what the Bible said to do. And the Bible said, Rusty, if you believe Jesus is who he says he is, if you believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead for you, and you believe it enough to say it out of your mouth, you are a Christian. I am right with God. If you've done that, you're right with God this morning. If you have not done it, you are not a Christian. 
You are not a Christian. The only way you become a Christian is by believing the story of the gospel, believing the good news, and then saying it out your mouth. Instantly, you became a believer. Instantly. I was 12 years old, and I've been a Christian ever since. Now, here's what I want you to see that's so powerful. The same way that works, every other promise in the book works. You just believe it, and you say it. And it's that simple. What does it say? It says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Listen to this. There's no faith without confession. Listen, I don't believe anybody accidentally becomes a Christian. You just don't. Oh, I didn't know I was a Christian. Oh, I made it to heaven. Oh, man. Man, I I didn't know I was a Christian. That's not going to happen. Amen? You don't accidentally become a Christian. You believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, listen, you don't have to do it in church. You don't have to do it in a church setting. You can do it in your home, in your bedroom, your car, your pickup, your living room. You can do it at work. I did it in my parents' living room. Hey, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. Listen, there's no faith without confession. Faith's voice is confession. If I believe something, I'm going to say it. Listen to this. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself. Faith grows with confession. Listen, I'm a Christian through and through. I know I am. You know why? Because I talk about it. I talk about it. Jesus is my Savior. When I get up in the morning, I talk to him. My confession is, hey, God, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I'm not an undercover Christian. I know who I belong to, and I know that he belongs to me. Now, listen, confession does three things. First, it locates you. See, I can talk to you and tell where you are. We were at the post office yesterday in Plainview, my wife and her mother and I, and we were going to eat lunch, and we stopped at the post office, and Vicki ran in to check the uh, mail, and when she came out, one of my mother-in-law's friends came out with her, and they were visiting on the steps, and my mother-in-law and I are in the pickup, and my mother-in-law said, oh, there's old so-and-so, she's a complainer. I wonder what people say about us. Right? She didn't say it in front of her. But I just wonder. And, I, and I'll just tell you right here, my wife has said that before to me. Man, you sure are complaining. You sure are complaining. Listen, when I do that, I'm bragging on the devil. When you confess, it locates where you are. The second thing is it does is it fixes a landmark in your life. You know what I love about camp, taking teenagers to camp, is it puts a spiritual anchor in your life. Now, it doesn't just happen at camp, but it does happen at camp, and it happens other places. So that when a teenager finds Jesus as his Savior, goes up front and gets ministered to at the altar, rides the bus home, then they walk forward in their life 5, 10, 15 years, and somewhere in the middle of the night, they're sitting in a bathroom with a hot water running, making the steam go, holding a colicky baby that won't stop crying, hoping and praying that it'll quit crying, and wondering why they ever got married and became a parent in the first place. If you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. In their heart and their mind, they can go back to that place where God was alive, and maybe it was at Discovery Camp, maybe it was in a church service, maybe it was in somebody's home, maybe it was in a ground zero service, but they go back to that time, they go back to that anchor, they go back to that landmark, and they say, well, if God moved then, maybe he'll move now. And that changes your life. 
The third thing confession does is it directs you towards your future. It directs you towards your future. Listen, you'll never be more than your confession. And I know you know that. You'll never be more than your confession. If you say you cannot do something, of course you can't. We know that. I mean, psychology teaches that. The gurus, the self-help people, Oprah teaches that. Right? Even those people teach that. Even they know it, and you know it too. If you say you can't do something, you can't. But if you say you can, you can. Now, I'm going to read one more verse to you. I'm going to read Mark 11, 23. Jesus says the same thing I just said, but he just says it in a different way. Listen to it. It says, if you openly declare... I'm sorry, excuse me. Hang on here a second. Let me change. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that which he says will come to pass, those things he says will be done. He'll have whatever he says. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying whatever you say and whatever you believe is going to happen. Now, I'm not saying this is a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm not saying this is something that's going to change your life overnight. But what I am saying is this, when you allow God to move in your life and you take hold of his promises and you begin to say say them, you'll begin to see change in your life. I've seen change in my life, and I know many of you in here have. See, when I find a promise in the Word of God, I take a hold of it. You do the very same thing. Oh, that's not for you, Pastor. That's only for the Jews. Well, guess what? I'm the seed of Abraham, so it belongs to me. Boom. Amen? Oh, pastor, that's not for you. That's passed away. Well, I got bad news for you. Really good news. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I get it. Boom. See, I'm not believing that fear, doubt, and unbelief. I'm not believing that half Christianity. I'm not believing that God's gone somewhere and he's waiting and hiding out, waiting for something to happen. I don't believe that. He's at work in my life and he's at work in your life. Don't you let anybody steal that away from you. Listen to this statement. Your daily confession of who the Father is to you. We sang it. That's what Kurt got up and said. It's a confession. We sang it. You're a good, good father. Now, I know a lot of you weren't raised in that. I know that. And you need to really get a hold of that and say it every day. Father, you're good. I've heard somebody say, God's in a good mood. That was foreign in my Christianity for a long time in my life. God wasn't in a good mood. I don't know what kind of mood he was in, but it wasn't a good mood. And when he thought about me, he sure wasn't in a good mood. But it's not true. He is. Listen to it one more time. Faith, your daily confession of what the Father is to you. Here's what I've learned to do. Father, I thank you that you're good and you're kind and you're fully involved in my life. I'm a son. Now, I'm not the son, but I'm a son. I'm a son of the living God. And I'm chosen. And I'm deeply loved. And the very same thing is true for you. You're a son. You're a daughter of the living God. And you've been chosen. And you're deeply loved by the Father. The Bible says in Romans, nothing can separate you from his love. You are deeply loved. What if you went through your day and throughout your day you said, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I love you too. I'm a big believer in that. We do it in our home. I love you. Wow, you just say that as a greeting. Shut up. No, I say it because I mean it. I love you. 
Start saying God, telling God that, God, I love you. And I thank you that you love me. Here's the second thing. When you decide what Jesus is doing for you at the right hand of the Father. You see, Jesus has a present day ministry. He died on the cross and was raised from the dead, but he has a present day ministry. The Bible says he's interceding for you at this very moment. Now, he's not in heaven begging God to do something in your life. That's not what he's doing. That's not his heart or God's heart, but he's moving and working in your life. I've always known this. God works upstream. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, when I don't see his hand, I can trust his heart. See, even though it doesn't look like God's moving, he is. He is. Amen? He's moving upstream. Because, see, I used to think if I couldn't see it, he wasn't doing it. Well, if I don't see God moving, he's not moving. That's not true. Then the last thing it says is, and what the Holy Spirit is doing in you will build a solid Christian life. Here's all I want you to see this morning. First off, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for taking time to come and worshiping with us and being together as the body of Christ. I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to be encouraged about what you say. And I want you to begin to align your heart and your words with the promises of God. Even though it may feel foreign or unusual to you, I want you to begin your day with, Father, thank you that you love me and I love you. Listen, I I don't want you to put yourself under a microscope. See, God's not waiting with a fly swatter for you to mess up so he can hammer you. I used to think that, but it's not true. So see, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about never making a mistake. Listen, I'm an otter. My mouth gets me in trouble every 10 minutes. Okay? It just does. I'm emotional and I'm mouthy. Okay? And it always gets me in trouble. So God's not like keeping score so I can be in trouble. It's about recognizing, Father, I thank you that you're at work in my life and I'm not afraid to say it. And that I'm not afraid to get a hold of your promises and not afraid to say, God, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for moving in my life. Thank you for being my father. I know there's bad things going on in the world, but I'm going to bite and grab onto your promises. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and we'll pray. Praise God. Father God, we love you this morning. And I'm grateful for your promises. I'm grateful that our tongues do have power. Words do mean something. It was the entrance in your kingdom, my heart and my words. And Lord, I thank you that that continues to be a truth in our lives. Lord, would you stir us? Would you put a watch on our heart and put a watch on our mouth? Father, I'm grateful for what you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Y'all go and be blessed.